0: Hello, and welcome to the Cultivating Confidence podcast. I am your host, Dr. Nicole Grams. I am a life coach who specializes in anxiety, health, and human design. And I also happen to be a functional medicine pharmacist. This podcast is a compilation of conversations that I've had with clients and colleagues. So listen in as we explore the mind, body, and soul's confidence in its many forms. thank you for joining me today. Today's topic is near and dear to my heart. Um, It is about feeling intense emotions, and I want to be very clear about one thing from the beginning because um, many of you out there listening to this identify as highly sensitive or empaths or whatever you want to call it. There are lots and lots of names for it, but basically um, I kind of define that as being able to sense the emotions of others around you. And I personally think that everybody has this ability to varying degrees and some are more sensitive than others. And while the tools that I will talk about may help you in, in this sort of scenario, um, that's not specifically what I'm talking about tonight. So tonight, what I'm talking about is the intense emotions that you feel within yourself, that basically you generate from your own brain. Um, like when you're going through something or even when you're not going through something, um, there was, (laughs) there was a quote that I found on social media from Sylvia Plath that I recently found. And it says, um, I don't know what it's like to not have deep emotions. Even when I feel nothing, I feel it completely. And let me tell you, I, it took my breath away for a second when I saw it, because it was one of the most relatable things I've come across in recent history, like, I don't know what it's like to not have deep emotions personally. Um, it, that, that's just how I've always lived my life. I'm always diving in deep. I'm always trying to go farther, you know, and feel more. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's, just, that's just me. Um, and if you've ever heard me talk about human design, there is an energy center that is the center of our emotions and it's called the solar plexus. Um, for about half of the population, that center is, def- is undefined, meaning that you don't necessarily have consistent access to your own emotions, but you tend to be influenced by emotions that are happening around you. And you have the ability to amplify and feel the amplified version of that emotion and reflect it back out. So it can be kind of overwhelming Um, It can be really easy to attach yourself to the emotions and you might even start to identify them as your own, even if they're not, if you're not able to let them go and pass through you. And this is something that I often describe as, you know, trying to be a screen, not a sponge. So like allowing emotions to flow through your body without grasping onto them can be a skill that is really, really helpful. Um... For the half of the population that the center is defined, and I am one of them, um, meaning that we have consistent access to our emotions, and that can be very strong, Uh, but there are three main different types of emotional waves. Um, There's a collective wave that can be kind of unpredictable, but it's like a wave that builds and builds and builds based off of the Expectations that we have on other people. And when those expectations are not met, the emotions come absolutely crashing down, like crash and burn style, very dramatic. (laughs) Um, The second type of wave is a tribal wave, where it's sort of more instinctual, kind of looks more like the stock market. It kind of ratchets up and down and it's kind of all over the place sometimes. And if it builds up too much, it can explode back down um, sort of like the collective one, but it doesn't necessarily have to, it's not based on the expectations that we have on others or circumstances around us. Um, and then there's the individual wave that, um, is defined in my human design chart where there are really sharp peaks and troughs and those peaks and troughs are very, can be very short lasting. Um, they you can get through them pretty quickly. And then you're kind of back to normal, neutral. Um, I kind of describe it as looking like an EKG, but with like the peak and the trough going equal distances and in an EKG, there's differences, but anyway, that's not relevant right now. (laughs) But it, it spikes very quickly and it can come on with seemingly very little input. And it's very intense, like romantic, emotional, intense waves. Um, And this is what I get most often, and it's been a real treat lately to observe myself in the middle of them. But anyway, uh, we are all capable of feeling all the types of emotional waves. And for some of us, it depends on the transits of the planets and all the things and who we're physically around. But anyway, um, I guess the point of all that is that we are all built differently. We experience emotions in a very different way within our bodies. None of it's wrong. None of it's bad. But many of you listening have probably been taught that feeling emotions in general, especially intense emotions is bad. So if you're feeling sad as a child, if you're feeling pouty as a child, what do adults say to you, right? Like things like, don't be sad. There's nothing to be sad about. I don't like it when you cry. Can you smile for me instead? Like, show me how happy you are, right? And I promise you these statements have more to do with the adult than the child. But what we are taught as the child is don't trust your emotions. What you're feeling is incorrect or wrong, or you're wrong for feeling this way. You shouldn't be feeling that at all. You should show emotions that make other people comfortable. And that does a lot of damage when you are prone as a human to feeling both positive and negative emotional waves. We get told that we're too much, that we're too emotional. We need to calm down our emotions. We need to present ourselves in a way that's more palatable for other people to be around. And if we, go, if we grow up with these subconscious beliefs carried into adulthood, it can cause a lot of problems like whenever we feel emotions <laughs> and they are there all the time, like because we're human, right? But we grow up with almost being like decapitated. Um, and what I mean by that is not like physically your head isn't attached to your body, but it's like your brain and your thoughts are separate from whatever physical sensations are happening in your body. And like, they're just two separate things. So whatever you feel in your body is irrelevant, separate it from your thoughts, use logic, all these things, right? So what do you do in that case when you start feeling intense emotions in your body? So our default brain tells us to avoid emotional triggers as much as possible and brain super likes this idea, right? So anything new is automatically scary. We tend to stick to our routines and patterns and stay stuck in our ruts because they're so familiar to us. We tend to avoid people or places. We try to control circumstances. Um, If we've been through a bad breakup, we're likely to swear off of relationships in, in general because it causes too much pain, right? Um, but when we can't avoid emotional triggers because that's exhausting and we're gonna live in a bubble if we try to <laughs> avoid them all the time. But we've been taught that feeling things is bad. We reach to numb instead. So we're turning to TV or social media or alcohol or drugs, and that can be prescription or otherwise. Um, it can be just about anything. It could be, you know, working out too much. It could be, um, spending too much time shopping. It could be like, like I said, any number of things that isn't necessarily harmful per se, but like when done in excess, it helps to numb you out. And depression is a big one for numbing because we would rather, most of us would rather feel absolutely nothing at all than feel the pit of despair that seems to be absolutely freaking impossible to climb out if you're in a depressive episode, right? Um, but it could be numbing from work stress where people get to the end of their work day and immediately reach for a drink in order to help de-stress, right? Or the whole like why no mom trend where there are no, there are some not so subtle jokes all over the internet. And um, luckily I haven't met too many of these women in my life, but uh, there's all these jokes about how you need to have a half a bottle half a bottle of wine to deal with the kids and the spouse at home, right? Like okay, funny, but not funny, right? But given that we are very generally speaking, not taught healthy coping strategies, and this is sort of our default going on, is it any wonder that we have so many issues today? So the option of numbing emotions does something unexpected. And you may think that, I mean, most of us, when we try to numb emotions, we're not out there trying to numb, we're just trying to get away from the negative things that we're feeling. Right. But when we numb the negative, we are actually numbing the positive, the really positive emotions too. So it's like, here's neutral. And uh, when you don't want to be down here, you also, it's sort of like goes in, I don't know, inverse is the right word. (laughs) but it's really just that you are numbing the intensity of the emotion. So intense emotions are both positive and negative. And when you start to numb, you start to take off of both the top and the bottom. So like, if you think about it, if you've ever started feeling really happy about something, but then you, like you're, you're happy and joyful and just having the best sort of day or whatever. But then you like catch yourself being happy and then you bring yourself back down before something crashes into the happy and destroys it for you, right? Because you don't want to be disappointed once something disrupts it. Except the thing that crashes into it and ruins it is you and you are the one causing the happy to go away. Even when all you tell people is that you want to be more happy more time more often, right? So what can we do? Um, if, uh, well, when I, when I started this journey, I started out with giving my myself permission to feel things. So if you're new here, that may sound borderline idiotic, but if you think about it with all the beliefs around feelings, like thinking that we're not supposed to be feeling things brings a lot of impact. Embarrassment and shame and hiding and denial. And we just want to avoid it at all costs, right? We don't want to feel things. We convince ourself, ourselves that we're fine. We suppress emotions. We distract ourselves. We numb out, right? And with that as the default, permission to feel the things is one of the biggest revelations that I had. And if you are a planet or if you're a planet, nope, <laughs> if you're a human on planet earth, Your life will consist of approximately one-third positive emotions, one-third feeling pretty neutral, and one-third negative emotions, right? You are allowed to feel all of the ways. And trying to convince yourself that you should be feeling something different than what you're feeling is just lying to yourself. It's counterproductive. You can't do anything about what you're feeling if you are lying to yourself about it. Like the, the concept of radical honesty is something that has been really revolutionary in my life of the like, okay, what am I actually feeling right now? If I think I should be feeling something else, then there's the, the should in there, something's not connecting, right? So what is it that I am feeling right now? And it's okay that I'm feeling whatever it is, whether it's jealousy or rage or insecurity, right? But you can't do anything about it if you're lying to yourself about what you're going through. Now, we as humans have this constant stream of positive and negative emotions, and sometimes it all happens at the same time. It's complex. And like, try, like I said, trying to suppress some of it kind of suppresses all of it at the same time. So I want you to give yourself permission to feel it all, right? Like, what if it was okay that you're feeling this way, whatever it is in that moment, right? the alternative that I want to propose is that you don't get to live your life fully. You don't get to experience the full depth and the complexity of life. Now I will say if brain is super, is going super crazy, you might have to do some grounding first. So if you're in the midst of a panic attack, or if you're like getting a little, uh, you know, you know, the feeling right where brain's just going crazy. Your thoughts have spiraled out of control, runaway train. You can't, you have no idea how to pull yourself back, you may need to do some grounding first. So you may want to pause whatever you're doing and take some slow, deep breaths that stimulate your vagus nerve. You might want to do some other exercises. Um, like the box breathing would be an example of slow, deep breaths, but basically you want to breathe in and then breathe out slower than what you breathed in. There's also like a double inhale and exhale that small children do pretty naturally but it can be super, super cathartic and like release some of the tension in your body where it's like a double inhale, like, and then an exhale. So it's like a, almost like you're gonna start to cry, but like it's that sort of buildup and then uh, release that can be super helpful in that situation. But yeah, another thing that you can do for grounding is something that we did before I hit record on here, the look around for five things that you can see four things that you can feel, three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. And like being capable of feeling all that well, okay, once once you're grounded, being capable of feeling such negative emotions is a gift, right? It's a gift that also allows you to feel really positively too. And I've said this a couple of times already, but you You get to feel the depth of the happiness and joy and pleasure that life has to offer if you allow yourself to feel the negative. So you just have to allow it to happen. Getting comfortable, feeling uncomfortable with the negative emotions, right? So I had a moment in therapy yesterday where I didn't know how to respond to something that my therapist asked asked of me. And I started noticing that I really wanted to escape that feeling. I wanted to ask for examples and ask for answers and like find a way out of whatever chaos my brain was giving me. And instead I allowed myself to feel super, super uncomfortable. Like I had this panic rash going on and I was wearing a lower cut shirt kind of, and my my chest is just like blotchy and red. It was nuts. And obviously my therapist noticed what was happening. It was fascinating, but um I guess that kind of brings me to another coping mechanism of like being the observer. So during this time of discomfort for myself where I was able to notice how uncomfortable I was feeling and I was able to stay in it and allow myself to feel my emotional brain was trying to tell me to run away and hide but I was able to stay. Like I got super vulnerable and I let myself be exactly where I was and I sort of became the observer of what was happening in my body. I was able to describe the heat that I felt in my skin and my chest and my body, that was sort of radiating out from the middle. I was able to describe the feeling that someone, like it literally felt like someone was with big hands, was squeezing my upper arms and that I was stuck. Um, I could feel the heaviness over my chest. I could feel my heart racing. I could sense the shallow breaths that I was taking. So like consciously taking a deeper breath was like a thing that I had to do my mind was, like I said before, runaway train, right? Like completely chaotic, but I was able to be in the moment and slip into observer mode, describe what I was going through. And I was able to articulate what was happening for me. As I came off of that particular emotional wave, I got like the jittery feeling That made me want to physically shake it off. So, like if you've ever been super, super amped up emotionally, and then you come down from that, it's kind of like shaking water off of your hands where you just wanna you just want to get it off of you, right? And after I did that, I was pretty much back to neutral. It took took a couple of minutes, but I was pretty much back to neutral. But that observer mode, by repeating and practicing that process of going into observer mode, you can find it even in the chaos. that you're safe and actually observer mode kind of in and of itself is almost like an escape but it's a healthy one where you get to see what's going on in your body you get to reconnect what's happening in your body in your brain you get to see what information your body is giving you and it becomes okay to feel it allows you to take care of yourself in whatever way you need Naming the emotion can get much easier in observer mode and it can be super helpful to identify like what's going on in the process, because you can see like oh well i'm feeling really disappointed. Okay, this is what disappointment feels like and it's okay to feel this sensation in my body Right, it becomes okay. And then you can also identify it easier in the future. Like, Oh, what am I feeling in my body? You can kind of like reverse, (laughs) reverse engineer what's going on. Like, Oh, this is what I'm feeling in my body. I remember this kind of felt like disappointment. Oh, what am I feeling disappointed about? And then you can kind of go through your thought process of like, what's going on and identify thoughts that aren't necessarily helpful. So you can work on you know, shifting them or doing whatever it is that you feel you need to do, or maybe just sitting with it, right? And you can do all of all of that observer mode and grounding. And um, yeah, you can do all of that in all the situations that I already mentioned. So like coming home from work when you're stressed, observer mode would put you into, okay, how are you feeling in your body? How would you describe it to someone who doesn't know what you're feeling? And usually when you're able to go in, you start to notice that it's okay to feel, right? It's not that important to escape these physical sensations that we, that brain really doesn't want to experience when they're unpleasant, right? We want to escape, <coughs> excuse me. But usually it's it's okay. Like it's it's just a sensation that you're feeling. And these sensations are typically harmless. And it just takes a minute for brain to kind of catch up that you're going to survive, right? It's okay to feel. You don't have to escape those intense emotions that you have felt this before and you've survived it and you're in good company. So I guess in conclusion, giving yourself permission to feel intense emotions as they come throughout your day. Like, and I understand that sometimes it's not possible and you need to be able to suppress whatever it is in the moment, whether you're at work, whether like, I I doubt trauma surgeons have moments in the middle of when they're working to be able to, you know, kind of go through this process and like suppressing it is really important. But then it is also important to revisit what's going on and process and allow that to go through your body and exit. So you're not building up. So you're not storing it in your body and building up disease and tension and All this stuff that's going to cause health problems and mental health problems in the end. So, give yourself permission to feel everything that you feel, Um, allow yourself to observe it, and live life. Thank you for taking the time to listen in today. Many of you will be able to take the ideas that you've heard and apply them in your daily life, and that's really all you need. That's amazing. But For those of you who could use a little one-on-one help with how to make these things actually work for you in your real life, please reach out. The link to schedule a consult with me is in the show notes. You don't have to do this alone. See you soon.